0: Live from the apocalypse, where we turn the Zoom into the Temple of Doom, assemble the goons. This is State of the Game. And I'm already quoting Wally Clark lyrics, mismatching them, uh, because we have today one of my favorite uh, artists of 2021. Uh, Wally Clark is here. His penis is a genius, because it always lets him know the queens that he can team with. Thank you for being here. No problem. I am Dan-O, the, the Jim Ross of this situation. Uh, and so thank you for, for coming to us. And, and we, it's fun. We're gonna be talking about the beat nuts. This is, I, I enjoyed this. Uh, yeah. I didn't, I don't listen to the to the beat nuts a ton in day-to-day life, just trying to catch up on new shit. Yeah. Uh, So going back to this was interesting, because I don't know if you've had this concern, but like sometimes you you go back to some old rap shit and it just hasn't aged well.
1: Yeah, definitely. I've been doing it a lot lately with my wife Mm because she doesn't know shit about rap music, but she falls in love. And that's why I'm even on here is because Street Level is her favorite album ever. She loves it, yeah. And she actually got me more into street level because I used to always be like more of like a stone crazy dude back in the day.
0: stone crazy was always my favorite, absolutely. Um, But no, it's, and and I was, when you talk about the Beatnuts, I almost feel like you have to talk about each album in three different criteria, right? Mm -hmm. Like you're talking about the crazy production the brilliance of the production, right? You're talking about the lyrical development of the people involved, right? Which changes from street level to stone crazy to musical massacre, right? The first three albums that we're talking about. And I think you have to kind of talk about how the songs come together, right? Mm -hmm. Because sometimes the production overwhelms the, you know the lyricists sometimes, you know the lyricists really step into it and take charge, and yeah, so the yeah. overall song itself comes out differently. But I, it was it was interesting because some of the when you, when you get older and you get perspective, some of the lyrics can be weird and there can be pretenses. And I was like, oh, I went back to this. There's no maliciousness in any of this shit, man.
1: No, I mean they're saying stupid shit. I mean, like Juju, de, I mean Juju talks about raping. But I don't know, it doesn't even really come across it. He's like, any piece of ass I ever got is because I took it. That seems more sad than anything right. uh, to me. <laughs> right. But like, they also just seem like they're just kind of bullshitting around. And to me, it's amazing at how good they were production wise. I, I mean, I love the lyrics, but how technically good they were production wise while still just being like silly on the mic. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I really, like, respect. And I I feel like that's something that I do personally, too, that, like, a lot of these motherfuckers take themselves way too seriously in rap music. And, like, it's this weird, you know, who's the hardest contest thing. And, like, I'm not a fucking nerd or a square or anything, Mm -hmm. but I also don't really give a shit about, like, the rapper dudes thinking that I'm tough or anything because i just like i don't know i'm a big dude i'd beat people up you know but like i'm not like it is sure. what it is you know i mean very different than
0: we should i mean we should talk about you it's very you've got a very interesting catalog uh you, you've said some incredible things right tighter than tupac's leather girdle um uh, yeah. you know and but i really i and i banned from all bars is the first one i heard huh. and i went through these like stages of wally clark acceptance right where the first listen was like what is going on here i need to leave you know and and, but then i i snuck back like what was going on there and then uh i started just secretly loving it by the time i was reviewing it i had like all these quotes Mm -hmm. um i went back to cocaine dreams and cocaine dreams is really cool yeah uh, because I, I think within all the punchlines and all the incredible stuff, it, there, it's a really like harrowing discussion of how shitty it is to be a dealer.
1: Well, that was the whole idea when I was doing it, um, when I was talking with my friend about it. And what I liked was that, you know, there's so much glorification and everything, but like the day to day mundaneness and just the fucking annoyances of doing that. like really wear on you and that was something that I really wanted to like kind of I thought it was a different perspective than just being like I'm out here making money and it's fun and shit like that's one side but you know a lot of times it's just motherfuckers hitting you up all the time and 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 super it's just exhausting more than anything and and yeah there was
0: just interesting moments where you and I think there was some that carried over into band from all bars where you were like, God, I'm trying to sell them shrooms and all they want is Coke. Like all anyone. Yeah, exactly.
1: Well, and that's something about like that. I really um, just saw when I moved to Denver from Nashville um, because I kind of like originally my girl, who's now my wife and I, we moved out to kind of like get away from that life. But then because weed's legal here, nobody gives a shit about it and i kind of touched on that on um a couple of those songs where it's like people just want to be naughty you know what i mean that's real shit and so like as soon as they can like get it all the time it's just like a fucking it just doesn't matter anymore to them and so it like really shows like some of the psychology of just how people are in general like and that's Mm -hmm. part of the i have very weird feelings about just drug legalization in general because like it's all well and good but like like i said people just want to be bad and that's part of it you know and they you know and going here and just walking into a dispensary and just like and being like what's up for tonight you're gonna sit on the couch or you gonna like go out well maybe you want a sativa maybe you know like all this shit it makes it feel like clinical and weird you know um, and so there's definitely like a thing where people want that still, but yeah, that was something that, um, I kind of, I, I wasn't thinking about calling it cocaine dreams. I just like that song I thought was funny in general, but, um, also it just kind of became kind of the underlying theme where the producer that I was working with, he, that's what he, he kind of realized what I was doing before me. Where he was like i just really think it's cool because like you're just like kind of tired of the bullshit and you're just like not you you know it's not just all glorification of the thing and it's a bit of a different perspective you know
0: cocaine dreams has the line of yours that will probably haunt me until i die which is the the life is like tetris yeah (laughs) and the quicker you disappear
1: yeah that's yeah as soon as you Ooh. fit in you disappear
0: yeah, yeah. that's fucking
1: intense. yeah
0: that's, intense. that's intense. yeah yeah i like that one i think about that shit a lot <laughs> um, but yeah no it, it's it is it's it's a, it's a it's an album that is tired of of what is going on and the cool part is the cover feeds into what you would think it is exactly you know? and then you get in and you're like oh shit this is different
1: yeah i mean that's kind of what i was wanting it to be like where people would be like like all those all the fucking little griselda type fan people right, right, right. super coke rap would be like "Ooh, you know like what yep. this is some new shit like that and then i am talking about it so like if you're not thinking like if you're not really listening it might It might just seem like I'm just, it is one of those. But like, if you're actually paying attention, you can kind of see that I'm not just being like, this is awesome.
0: Yeah, no, that's the, you know, because obviously a lot of what you do is like one-liners that, Mm. but they are one-liners that build a story that that connect. It's a puzzle, you know? And if you listen to it long enough, they start coming together, you know, in clumps. And you start seeing the picture and so it's a real it's a real rewarding experience which honestly i'm not a big punchline guy yeah Uh, i i've had the theory that like new york is kind of obsessed with punchline rappers yeah and that's why they'll elevate people that from the outside we're like
1: yeah exactly well Um, i was never really that huge one either and i like if you go farther back like i was doing more like relationship sort of like lover boy type shit earlier on with like i did an album called fling which was just kind of about like a like summer love type fling thing that i did and then um there's one called sport Ways and one called blue suede and those are kind of like in a even like a different sort of totally different vibe than what i started going towards but those were a lot more story based and um i'm just more like a story i'm naturally story based so like even when I started doing the punchline stuff, it's very natural. It's very difficult for me to not like tie it into something to just be like one and one equals two haha, or some shit and then move on to some totally random idea. Like it's very like, as soon as I finish the last thing, the next line, I have a very difficult time, not somehow connecting it to the thing. And then so many different times, like if I'm like, you know, I was like, then I picked a hoe up in a Benzo. Then, like, in my mind, I'm like, and then where do we go?
0: Right, right, you know? right. And yeah, I'm, yeah, it's, yeah.
1: it's very difficult for me. I, it's not naturally at least, like, have a loose storyline going on in my shit. Yeah. So, like.
0: Yeah. No, if you train yourself to be good at something, those characteristics hold, right? Yeah. And then even if you do something else, you're still carrying the characteristics you learned over there. Um, yeah. Yeah,
1: and more yeah. than being like a like a punchline. I mean, I've, I yeah, I yeah, I'm never really like super into like punchline rappers or anything. I just really I really like stand up comedy too, and mm-hmm. so I just naturally kind of like started trying to think of. I guess it, they are punchlines in that sense, but right. it was more like just a little clever, like a funny thing here and there, mm-hmm. and then yeah, I kind of start getting in that mode. A little bit more and doing more of it and now i'm kind of starting to do different i'm i'm figuring out what i'm doing right now
0: and and it's and the cool part is it's it's been a really good year for fun funny rap right yep. um and so and i was talking to Zill about this i said if you put all the funniest rappers of 2021 on one track right bruiser wolf you bfb to pac-man whatever Right, Mm -hmm. and who would produce it? That's the that's the fun game. Yeah, uh, to think of that
1: because it's. Well, I mean, that's another thing that I was doing when I started getting into kind of these these past albums. Like I always produced my own stuff, but then I was kind of like, kind of felt like I was like I said I was doing that like more like slick, mean women shit. But then I also just locked it down with my girl. So, I was like, well, I'm not actually going out there and like chasing ass anymore. Um, So, I started doing other things, but then I started working with different producers. And the first person that I started working with was uh, this guy, Flu. Do you know Flu at all? No. Okay. He's an Australian guy. Oh, awesome. And yeah, we have an album. Actually, I got the test press here uh, that's in, and it's called Goon. Actually, it's funny that you quoted that at the beginning um but i started working with him and then i did an album with i've been from our bars with pharma right pharma. and then i did a, and then i did the bully one with hobgoblin uh, who's another uk dude yep. and then uh cocaine dreams is a, a nashville producer that i've just known forever he usually makes it- yeah 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 and he usually makes totally different shit he i started playing him like what i was doing and he was like i finally think i know how to make beats for you and then he started just cranking them out because he made because just the down south shit he's used to just dealing with that more melodic you know the down south type shit um which was all which is well and good he's good at that but you know i'm not gonna rap over that shit
0: necessarily no yeah your delivery Uh, is not gonna work on that
1: you no know. and and that's something i've even been i've been working on trying to work on different beats and just mm-hmm. play around with it and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't and there's another album which is part of the reason why i wanted to do this i'm working on a beat nuts e type of album like with those type of beats um with this guy timepiece that's another awesome yeah i love
0: timepiece
1: yeah and he um yeah he just he broke out like his uh like his old analog gear and started making beats and i heard it and i was like yo my wife really loves street level and he was like that's one of my favorite albums and i was like we should do some shit like that and so we've been doing that and yeah it's been really fun and a great exercise for me too because like i'll there's three or so different songs that i've written like five six different versions of just mm. trying to capture like i can do my wally clark thing on it yep. but trying to also capture like a little bit of that the 90 the way that they rapped back then yep. you know yeah. so it's still because his beats are sounding he, like he captured the fucking ninety shit real well yeah no, so you- like He's a I'm trying. Yeah, so I'm trying to like do that balance, and it's yep. been like an interesting thing to try to pull off. No, he's.
0: I'm on a Discord chat with Timepiece, Blood Money, Perez, bunch of people, mm-hmm. uh, and he's great. He's a yep. great, great guy. And and I, I've he produced for prosa Bloodstained Pages, yeah, out of Texas, and I love that album. Uh, he's yeah, he's great. So uh, that's awesome. I'm excited to hear that. I didn't know. Yeah, that.
1: it's been really cool.
0: Um. Uh, so yeah, no and, and you did produce uh, say it louder F you stand yeah that uh, and, and that that beats awesome. That's really yeah. good. Um, I like that song I, I was yeah I didn't, I didn't I wasn't familiar too much with your own production, so that's cool.
1: yeah, that's there's awesome. a, I mean, you could still go to like my band camp and I've got probably uh, four or five albums of me producing, but it's mostly more like soulful type shit like that yep. you know. So the, yeah, that's why I kind of wanted to. When I started working with these other guys, I was like, kind of wanted to do a little more darker and a little of that like, whatever the the grumpy drug dealer vibe
0: thing,
1: <laughs> whatever that is. You know what I mean?
0: Right. No, it's it's kind of like the grumpy uh, sitcom dad, but who's a drug dealer? Yeah, that's, that's the, the the tone of the deal. The um, but oh, so let's let's get into the beat nuts.
1: Sure. The, sure. I, I Can love... you see that I got them all back here?
0: I see that.
1: Yeah, I, I, I really like. I was waiting on you to uh get on here, and then I just realized that I had them. Up.
0: Did it? I know this. The it's it's. I love this three album run as a study. Street level, mm-hmm. Stone Crazy, Musical Massacre, because it really does encompass the three kinds of '90s <laughs> albums you saw from yeah. great people, right? Street level is that kind of weird purple tape classic thing where like you know some people called it the purple tape but it wasn't called the purple tape but it was a purple tape Yeah. and like street level has that kind of story behind it right where it's actually the beat nuts self titled album but it says street level on it and people just thought it was called street level
1: yeah I always assumed it was called street level
0: and it's it's just one of that that could happen back in the day
1: yeah absolutely
0: social media the internet to like straighten everything out so these mythologies could kind of occur yeah and it's like street level is the album you make if if you don't care what anybody thinks
1: yeah and if you don't and bright and it was kind of one of the last like right at the end when you could really fucking flip a lot of samples yeah you know and yeah. that's something that i noticed when i went back to stone crazy is that like if you listen to like, here's a drink, it's just like, beep, 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 it's like tones. And there's right. like a lot of things that are just like pretty simple. I mean, there's the obvious hit stuff, you know, off the books and shit and they yep, use samples, yep. but then there was still um, in Stone Crazy, like if you dissect it, I mean, they're layering four or five samples a song. And like midway they'll just like switch it into some other shit you know And like they're it's got that um very like fluid running sort of feel that like some of those other uh you know i guess like paul's boutique or like some oh, other yeah. other type of shit where like they're like just scratch they'll just like scratch it in and then it just like keeps like it's going all over the place rather what? than like feeling like a real structure of a beat you know it'll be it'll be like one two yeah, and then it'll go into something totally weird you know
0: right it, it now it, there's a structure to the beat because it's like here's the sample i paid for exactly and yeah and here's what i were, can do with
1: it you know
0: yeah they were able to be like this then this then scratch then this yeah you know, yeah exactly you did whatever they wanted uh, what is your favorite beat on street love
1: um i don't even really know we listen to this fucking album so much like um that like it's become just kind of like a ubiquitous with our household because she Mm -hmm. just i put it um she's got a fucking what is it it's like a 94 land rover Mm -hmm. and like that's the only thing that's in it and so she just like listens to that shit all the time that's awesome um, that's great so like it's hard to even like think of it as like a individual thing because like yeah. when we're listening to it like she knows all the word. Like, and here's another thing that's funny about it is that her favorite rapper's fashion who was just not that's, you know she a loves fashion
0: conversation
1: she absolutely loves fashion um yeah um so it's really just sort of like these weird lines where like i'm we're like listening to it and then it's like i can't even think of the fucking you know we just go like we make i make bitches make me sandwiches and scratch my ass when it itches yes And she will yes. be like and then she's just going my name is fashion she'll just say that throughout the day <laughs> and she, you know, so like it's difficult to even like, like I said, it's it yeah, it yeah. sort of even like transcends like even listening to the music because she's just going like, like treat her like a pig, puppet, stick my fingers in her butt. No, nah, I'm joking, Buddha smoking, and we're just like laughing and shit. So, awesome. um, yeah, I mean, and the other thing is is that like, I think. Psychodorf is great. I think it's they got weird names too. Some yeah. of them have names that I wouldn't think.
0: I will give you mine. I will say my favorite beat on on Street Level is Super Bad.
1: Yeah, I mean that's fucking great. Superbad. Holy shit! <laughs> Although Rick's joint is unbelievable. Yeah. I love Rick's joint. Yeah, and I mean let off. I mean let off a couple has the great that's like a fucking um light my fire sample or like cover yeah um is it is it the come on oh no no sorry yeah i mean yeah it's the like a cover of the doors uh light my fire but i don't yeah the mm, i don't know hardcore yeah that's that one which i did a remix of that which you'd like too um But yeah, I mean, it's, that's the, that one's so weird because like, you know, with like Stone Crazy, I, I mean, I just always, like, I remember when like the Do You Believe uh, video came out and just Mm -hmm. being like being super into that fucking song. And then off the books, of course, is just like a fucking underground smash. Mm -hmm. Um, But like. I was surprised when I went back and listened to Stone Crazy, I like it less than I thought it would, and I've grown to like uh, street level way more than yeah. I thought, than I remembered, but it's because yeah. I remember um, it was like I was in, I think when Stone Crazy was in like 90, 94, oh no, 97 no, Stone 97, Crazy. okay, 97. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm a I'm a sophomore in high school then. So like it's a little more that's like the f- real formative years when yeah. like I remember being like in the back seat with like my older friends, let's say in the street level, but I was still like, you know, 11 or 12 or some shit and being <laughs> like wow, lick the pussy, what? You know, like that's crazy, you know? Yep. Um, but like I never owned that cd probably i never i own i didn't get that cd until after i had already had stone crazy for a while and was like a fan of that so like i always like looked at stone crazy as being like the one that made me the beat nuts fan you know but then but then for some reason like i said it was like i put um she had a little sd card in her uh for her land rover that she put in and she couldn't play cds or oxcord or anything yep. and so i th- i threw just like a couple things on there i think i put like diggable plants first album and b-nuts on there and some yep. other shit but like that was the first and it was it's one of those ones where you just put it on you got to skip through to get to the yeah, next yeah, thing it was right to the first and she yeah. just never drove far enough in denver because she she worked like a mile away so she listened to that all the time um what? and then all of a sudden like completely fell in love with it and That's then awesome. yeah and then i bought her i bought her that record for as like a christmas present and then um we just put it on in the living room and played darts all the time so it's like a like a constant in our household
0: awesome it's so cool yeah. um uh, yeah no the it, that is a fun part of relationships having albums where you you just lock in on it
1: yeah uh, and as i get older like that's the funny thing about having these conversations is like shit changes and like i'm it's not like i'm listening to like every single one of my favorite hip hop records all the time so it's sort yeah. of like these certain thing like certain records can kind of define certain ages of your life you know what yeah. i mean and it's sort of like that's what i've been listening to lately and like i mean i threw in musical massacre these past couple months and that's got some great like party joints that are just like Ooh. like the Mucha cha Cha is just like and i love it those are like fun they Don't were like tra- they were, i think they were trying to do a poppy more poppy thing right. But they did a pretty good fucking job of like it still being fun, you know. And they, yeah.
0: yeah. It's the three type of the three types of '90s albums you had to have, right? Of like the first is the kind of album everyone thinks of you for, right? Street Life. Then the weird middle album that people don't respect enough, but they but later on talk about. It's kind of like Mob Deep's Hell on Earth, right? Like it's that like middle thing and then the big pop album that's your highest charting deal yeah, uh, yeah. so they this three album run includes all three of those right you yeah can, and right?
1: like street and street level also is like the dusty jazzy thing yes and then like i don't know stone crazy is i don't know they were kind of trying to be i don't know if they were like trying to be hard on that or... It's a bit
0: of a dichotomy. It feels like yeah. a dichotomy where, like, he's you know, there's big. There, there's the Stone Crazy. The title track is very is very broody, yeah. very off kilter. Uh, and you and I think that album Juju really starts to come into his own and stretch yeah. out. Um, but then Off the Books is is like, I, I think Off the Books is one of the best rap songs ever. I think it's so fun. And yeah. it's fun smashing it, but it's a that's built for the radio. That's built for '90s radio, yeah. right? So it's it's a, it's a it's a moody middle album with pop hits in
1: it. It's it's yeah, kind of- and I like all of it except for "Give Me the Ass." I think I fucking hate that song, but other than that, <laughs> I mean, it's. But you could and that was one of those things that at that time though, like, in '97, that was a real heavy-handed like kind of like puffy move of like trying to do like the that like 80s sampling pop thing Right. and everybody was doing that shit there was always that one record on everybody like in 97 everybody had that type of
0: totally. trying
1: to do sort of record.
0: now that being said the last song on stone crazy is absolutely wild and one of the signature beat nuts moments strokes yeah where they're just like giant grown like <laughs>
1: yeah and that's it's sort of like that's, almost, and that's almost feels like a three song sort of thing with uh because on the intoxicated demons ep they had story yep and on street level there were sandwiches right right and then yep. there was this is this is that one called story 2000 or something,
0: story 2000 is on the massacre,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. with Patrick, yeah, or no, oh, Strokes is Strokes is right, but is is Story is that on Musical Master, yeah, Story 2000? Yeah, so yeah, so they did it on all of those albums, they did that kind of like we wild sex thing that had the (laughs) and like doing weird. Weird shit.
0: I do, uh, not, but I love all
1: those records. Those are all s- some of my favorite. And that's, those records are sort of kind of, if I had to think about the Beat Nuts sound, are very good examples. Because they're it's just like super weird sample, kind of goofy lyrics, you know, yeah. stuff like that.
0: I, the production of the Beat Nuts is 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 near and dear to my heart and in, and interesting to me because I have uh, discovered over time I really love Latin music I really yeah. love yeah. Uh, Latin production I believe I don't remember who's one of them's from Colombia the other's from Dominican Republic one of yeah
1: the um, I mean it. it's funny because Juju always just calls himself the German so um, I don't. Yeah, oh, I
0: think. Les, he's, yeah, less. Yeah. J- yeah. yeah, no, it, it, they bring a lot of that to bear. They're both from Queens. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Juju is Dominican uh, and Les is Colombian.
1: Okay. And but both from Corona.
0: Both from Corona, Queens. And they really, it. they're highly intelligent producers in terms of. It's not a direct thing. Sometimes you would see in the 90s, Latin production would be like a direct nod. Yeah. Uh, they have a lot of, they, they let that the Latin rhythm of it make it move a little bit different. You know? yeah, absolutely. Uh, give more movement, but there's still the samples, there's still the dustiness, there's still the like, gr- the gr- grit of boom yeah right
1: yeah and I feel like even there I was like trying to I was going through and listening to some of their shit because I, I started making the the as tribute thing before I saw before I linked up with time mm-hmm. um just because I was like interested in it and so I just started going through and like finding Beatnut samples and seeing what they were doing and like even if they they'll even be using like weird they'll they'll use like blues riffs But they'll use it in like a, it'll be like the, it's like in like a weird thing that sounds it's it'll sound vaguely Latin even, Mm -hmm. but without necessarily like, yeah, doing the like this type of, you know, Latin shuffle, you know, how how you think of Latin bop goes, you know.
0: I guess if you're like if you think about it as shapes, right? Like Mm -hmm. boom bap has shapes that are perfectly formed to fit together, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, there's a seamlessness, even when uh, when Premier is experimenting, it doesn't sound like he's experimenting, right? Because there's a smoothness to it, the shapes line up, the beat nuts, the sounds feel like strange shapes.
1: That yeah, are I can see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, and that's something that I was saying with like the, the way that their beats flow is like, some a lot of them yeah i don't necessarily feel like a, a steady trajectory thing it's sort of like it could just kind of break off over here or do some some weird thing you know right. or they're you know or like i and it's something that i love about 90s shit and like them and i don't know people like mop or something when they do a great job of like somebody's rapping and somebody comes in you know like like the shit is yep. whack or something you know somebody's <laughs> like right the- yeah. is like right in the middle or and then the person will the other person will just go right back to rapping it. right. like someone will just like say some weird line or something you know just
0: chime in yeah no yeah. It, it's and the cool part is the it's not that the sound is something they were like you know playing with or putting on airs for the sound matches how their brains work right absolutely sometimes they're beating up fred flintstone because they had sex with his wife yeah sometimes they're you know beating people up fucking
1: oprah's fat ass yeah
0: and it's so you never know (laughs) where they're gonna go and they they, that's how they want to be they don't want to be super hard or like super intense they want to be whatever they want Uh, um
1: Yeah, I mean, most of it's just, like, them just being, like, we just, like, getting high and getting drunk and stuff and, like, making, I mean, they, you just feel like they're, like, just enjoying each other's company and making beats and stuff. And that's what, you know, the sad part about fashion leaving the thing is that it just turns, apparently, Juju is a notorious grump, grumpy dude. That makes he sense. is the grumpy co- crocodile probably, and, right? um and so they just it got to the point where they just didn't get along and it just couldn't do um but yeah i mean they got so many different things that like grew on me like i didn't like um the fucking god what is it called the one with the grand pooba joint i didn't like at first
0: oh because
1: i was a kid and i was like so like dark wu-tangy and shit yep, that like yep. all that like it was too like fun or something i don't even know in my childish ways but that song's awesome you know and like
0: yeah i mean it, it,
1: there's songs
0: you can appreciate now that you might not have been able to appreciate later a lot of that is musical massacre right yeah uh, it's when you you know, if you hear it back then, you're like, this is a pop record, whatever. Yeah. But now that you've heard a bunch of pop records.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like,
0: this is a good
1: pop. Yeah. Record. And I mean, I think that it's something that like 90s hip hop fans in general who were there, who later go back and end up enjoying a lot of shit that we hated on just because we were spoiled and we just, and we had this um, narrow view of what we thought hip hop should sound like. And then, like, as you get older, you're like, oh, yeah, I like to have fun. Like, I'm not just a fucking angsty teen or some shit. You know what I mean? Like, like, I like to actually go out and, like, party and stuff, you know. And so you go back and you listen to that shit and you're like, okay, this makes me feel good and that's okay. Like, I think that um, I spent so much time just being like, I want to hear the real or something, you know. And I missed a lot of that. Stuff back then, yeah,
0: hip hop used to have these sweeping narratives. That yeah. it kind of felt like, you know, the the there were a lot of people in high school who were just kind of like trying out new personas. Oh
1: you yeah, you know, yeah, it
0: would be like a goth person. Oh, absolutely. A, a year later, like a hippie
1: for a month or some shit.
0: You're a skater next year. Yeah, uh, and and they were just trying on personas. A lot of the meta narratives were like that. were like we're native tongues now and we're in dashikis and like yeah exactly years later they're they're gold teeth you know you know with beanies skull caps and yeah exactly know. yeah it's just it sweeping narratives yeah things. i mean
1: I, I remember fucking making fun of you know so like i remember making fun of wu-tang when i first heard them and this is so t- weirdly telling because i was like I was into fucking the G-Funk era at the time, you know? Super yep. into that shit. So yep. when my friend's brother pulls up and his fucking Acura with his friend playing 36 Chambers, we were like, what is this nerd shit fucking talking about swords? Like, we like the real gangster shit, you know? That's then, fun. yeah, then in like fucking what? Uh, in like seventh... Seventh grade, I start hanging out with, like, rocker dudes that listen to fucking, like, Tool and shit. Yep. But then, like, the only rap albums that they would listen to was Grave Diggers yep. and Methamantical. And I didn't have even, and it took me a while to even realize that those were even Wu-Tang related. Because I didn't know, I didn't even, because right. I wasn't checking for Wu-Tang. Right. I didn't even know that method man was in wu Tang, and I didn't even, and, and then like, you know, and then I realized that and I, and I go, Whoa, what the fuck? You know?
0: That's awesome.
1: Um, yeah. yeah. But it's, it was just even me pigeonholing myself then, because this is, you know, when I'm talking about when I'm 12 years old, <laughs> right you know? right And so of course, like, I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. Yeah. But like, yeah, and at that time it was like I was hanging out with those kids, and that's what was happening is like I hung out with some dudes and all of a sudden they became hippies and were listening that's to incredible. they were listening to fucking smashing pumpkins and I was like, eh, I don't want that. And so yeah, and in me even finding myself like I didn't never really go through those phases. I was always like a super hip hop head, wow. but like with limited knowledge, you know what I mean like i was doing the best i could you know but i mean if you're talking about i'm listening to uh doggy style when i'm 11 years old you know i mean it's like prepubescent shit so right
0: Yeah. (laughs) yeah no there was and and a lot of it was connected up really with what i was doing my dad had thousands of albums they were all like you know in a shelf yeah and so I spent a lot of time just digging through those, putting on weird old soul records. Yeah. Style had all of that in it. Yeah, uh, yeah absolutely. It really- and that was the
1: thing too, is like, yeah, being from the South, I grew up listening to soul music. And so, yeah, that, that type stuff initially um, I gravitated to. And then it, I mean, the stuff with RZA is very interesting because he was sampling all Memphis soul. But the way that he was doing it, sound sounded totally different and grimy but once i understood you know once i understood it then i fell in love with it um and then yeah and then for the longest it was just like that type of shit you know because then you you also have to understand is like right in my high school years is when like master p blew up and being in the south being in the south that's what was going on super heavy so it's like all my friday was like master p triple six and cash money and stuff and so i was always like either that or like i was hanging out with like skater rockery dudes so i was always just like wu-tang i'm wu-tang yeah Yeah. wu-tang shit you know um but yeah so musical massacre i mean i've i've liked it when it came out a lot you know and it's got one of my favorite i love for for whatever reason one of my favorite songs ever is coco toss-up what I is a, that what fucking, a song. yeah what it's awesome song.
0: when you're talking about like it, it's such a cool meeting of uh latin hip-hop pioneers right Of yeah. like Tony touch and the beat nuts and being able to kind of link up and just be like we did this shit like yeah we changed, it. we changed everything.
1: I've met Tony Tesh a couple times and he doesn't understand that like I'm like, I actually really like you as an MC. <laughs> I think you're dope. Awesome. Like, and he's like, I guess, man, shit. Because I mean, like he he rapped on, you know, right. some shit, but I don't think he ever really like yeah. thinks that he's nice or anything, you know what that's, I mean? That's
0: awesome. Um, but yeah. I'd
1: be like, Eliminate the bazura. And he was like, I'm not sure, whatever.
0: <laughs> no he, he's and and as as things develop like on street level it's pretty much the crew right it's it's you know fashion it's you know juju cycle less uh but is there any features on that I
1: don't it's got it's-, it's got Vic on it who was like kind of he was sort of an original member he was he mainly was just oh, like right. dude vic yeah. Uh, yep, so he yep. rhymes Fried but he was yeah. yeah he was mainly just a dude that would um help them dig for records and he later went on to be in a couple different uh like production teams he was in that one i think it's called sid romes okay. they produced like an album for mob deep once wow. yeah cool. um but yeah he uh he's featured on there but it's like a fucking i think it's like four bars or something it was one of those posse cuts where it was like yo jump on you know but Uh,
0: it's it's pretty much the crew and because when they broke it's important to note like it was not an easy road for the beat right no never all all the stories are that they were like considered oddities right they were like straddling two worlds you know if you Back in the day, there was because I don't know if you remember this. I don't remember what album of this was, but in um there was a Mob Deep album where Prodigy just went to the microphone and said "fuck that space age shit." Yeah, fuck all that shit.
1: I think it's on, I think it's called Prelude. It's it's on Infamous.
0: And he and it's is Prodigy was like this. Like it's not like he had a beef with anybody for the space age. He just we talking about Keith Murray. Should, oh was it uh, okay that sense. yeah but he was but if, there was that end of it right there yeah. was that end of it and then there was the mob deep end of it yeah and so
1: well it just like there was like when q-tip was fucking with mob deep people were like
0: whoa
1: nope. okay yep. cool yep. well what i was saying is that um it was kind of the same shit with like q-tip when he was fucking with mob deep where they were like whoa like q-tips like a uh, conscious native tongues dude yeah. he's fucking with these like thug out dudes and yeah there was very much this thing where like
0: oh oh, are we breaking up again or no you good okay
1: i'm good right. i mean i'm talking so. so good Go ahead. um no, but there's, there was very much a thing where people wanted you to be, it's kind of what we were saying, they want you to be one type of way and uh, they either want you to be like you know, conscious rapper or Yep. Um, it was, and it was so,
0: a game of extremes, right? It was like yeah. and and the beat nuts are somewhere between like Cool Keith and Mob Deep right? Yeah. Somewhere in between that, and I don't think people knew what to do with them at that point. Um, and that's something
1: that I even struggle with as an artist when I was, uh, like, I was talking with Zilla not that long ago, and I've just talked with people about, like, trying to find how to present myself, right. and it's like, you know, okay, I'm white, but, you know, I'm not a fucking white rapper dude. Right. also you know i'm not like super thugged out but i mean i do a lot of i mean i do all the things that the rappers are talking about that's what i do right Uh, right. you know and uh but and i'm not like a super lyrical miracle guy but i like to be witty too and be funny and it's like funny because you would think that that would be something that like people would like like a well-rounded person right right you know you'd be surprised like people really want to just be like you know like when action bronson came out i remember people being like he's fat and he's got a beard and he's a chef you know yep. and it was like just like it was like trigger words that they said right and that's how you just go that's who that is you know
0: yeah i have this theory and i i, I kicked it to billy woods i got to interview billy woods a little bit hmm. and I, the theory is like you have to teach an audience how to listen to you, right? Yeah. So like Prince taught an audience how to listen to D'Angelo. Yeah. Right? So they, it was, and and if you're the first, they just don't know what to do with you, right? Yeah. There was no beat nuts before the beat nuts.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: They were new. So people really didn't know what to do with it. And like street level charted at number 185 on the Billboard charts. It like was not,
1: yeah, you know, dramatically. Yeah, exactly.
0: So, but people heard it, and people started catching on. Right, the smart people catch on first. Yeah, you know. So, you know, when Big Pun steps on off the books for Stone Crazy, it's a little like Noriega jumping on the Neptunes, right, mm-hmm. before everybody else.
1: Yeah.
0: He's like, no, this shit is good. That is
1: dope. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So,
0: and I think that's a perfect song. I just think pun in that era. I mean, Capital Punishment is my favorite hip hop record of all time. Uh,
1: I I love it. What you think about Yeah, baby?
0: Well, I not much, <laughs> not much. I know. Um, it's, I know. You know. I was yeah.
1: like, I I I desperately want to be able to get the fucking acapellas of that so I can like try to do something with it because I fucking can't. I can't even deal with that shit. It's,
0: it's rough. But yeah. I mean, the capital punishment is kind of perfect, you know? Yeah. And him at that time, he was just so sharp. Uh, and off the books is some of his best work uh, Cuban Link hanging around, living it up. Um, but the other thing I was struck by with Stone Crazy going back to it is it might have the best interludes in rock. Oh,
1: yeah. I used to put them on all of my mixtapes. The God is a ring of smoke. And then be proud of who you are. Be proud of, of
0: who you are. Oh my yeah.
1: god. It's all Did haunty you know? and shit. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Horny horns, I think it is. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Bim, 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 bim. yeah I was like those were something I would just if I ever made um a mixtape for somebody, I would always throw those on there. Cause it was just so they're just so cool sounding.
0: If you ever like You know, because honestly, there's a lot of bad interludes out there. Yeah. uh, And there's a lot of interludes that don't make sense within the context of the albums. If, as a listener, if you ever get fed up with interludes, and you're like, interludes shouldn't be a thing in hip hop, go back to Stone Crazy, listen to it, because this is kind of how it should be done, right? Uh, Be proud of who you are is 27 seconds. And it's wonderful. Oh, go ahead. Can you hear me now? Yep. I oh. I pause this. So yeah. So yeah, we're talking. uh, Yeah, just great. Because the thing about interludes, sometimes they're too friggin' long. Oh yeah. Two minute interlude is a lot to ask me to do.
1: Especially when it's just a bunch of fucking talking or something i i don't know like i put I, I like to put little a little beat thing or something you know or like a little you know talky at the beginning of a song you know but like i usually keep it to eight bars or something if it's good if i'm going to start rapping before if it's talking before i don't let it go more than 10 seconds or something you know
0: even with the and they make great decisions the do you remember the voicemail there's like a stone crazy voicemail that yeah, they have that, on there
1: she's like i'm high as fuck something yeah
0: and, and that's it right she's just like i'm high as fuck and like, yeah. and that's it and i'm like that's all i want i don't want a long voicemail about yeah, cool. how much sex you had it's it's yeah, yeah. whatever yeah because that was a lot of the 90s there's a yeah. lot of of fake voicemails Um, yeah of like i want to fuck
1: you or whatever yeah i I, I missed you my whole family last night you know
0: yeah yeah so but yeah stone crazy is has some real i mean i love the title track uh I, i think screwball and beat nuts really go well together yeah I love- also like
1: it's not i mean it's just like a good regular song like it's not anything that like is like the beat's not super super crazy or anything no but and and it's like the hooks just if you think about cash and you read mama well like yeah they all they all flowed really nicely together yeah you know it just sounded like an actual yeah like they get along like it wasn't like conflicting personalities or anything
0: no i just yeah i just think the kind of Screwball had a really fun, dark energy to it. like mm-hmm. um, a, Maybe kind of an MOP-ish kind of situation, uh, but a little darker, a little meaner, and I think they, they sound great with the Beat Nuts. Um, yeah. So, I, I mean, Stone Crazy is, is a fun album. I, yeah, there's a little something of like what, it, it doesn't hang together the way street level does but we should have. yeah as
1: far as just like a complete thing right. did, yeah and i did i noticed that when i was listening to it the other day um that's why when you asked me about street level i was kind of like it's just sort of like a vibe or yeah. something you know what i mean like it's actually yep. just like a fucking yeah i've like kind of Listen to it in the background of doing other shit so much and just enjoyed it for what it is like out where sort of yeah i can pick out some of the highs a little easier on uh stone crazy like some of the, yeah like my favorite joints you know
0: right no it's 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 there and i would say so about the fashion fashion conversation Fashion is great on street level. Mm-hmm. I, listening to that album compared to the other two, I I really thought, I don't think they would have gotten where they gotten if fashion stays in the group. I think fashion is a very reliable verse, right? Yeah. He's Always going to give you a really good verse to patch you in. And when he left, I think they both took on more responsibility in the MC yeah. space.
1: Yeah, totally. I think that he was, and that's what they say when you, when they talk about the history is that originally neither uh Cyclez or Juju planned on being like the MCs, um, but they just sort of, so they got fashion, but then I think it was, there was something, something happened. I don't want to say he went to jail. Cause I, I don't know the fucking story. Right. Either that or he was busy or some shit. there was some some reason why they wrote some rhymes to go in there with him. But the idea was, I think even after Street Level, that they were just going to focus on fashion. And that might have also been part of the falling out thing is that it got a little weird because that was the idea. And then either juju didn't like it or fashion started acting some type of way or something like Like i said i don't i don't know the details i read about it sometime but i don't know enough to say what really happened but I, i do know that originally they were kind of planning on it being them behind the boards and fashion being like the MC, um which is cool um but i do know i do agree with what you're saying that him leaving pushed them to try to figure out how to make it work for them. Cause they were like, Oh shit, we don't have our, like our guy. And that's probably when they started thinking about, you know, making shit like off the books, like doing something to actually make like a hit that would actually make them some real money, you know, cause they didn't have, they weren't just like a group doing you know making albums like that they were like we gotta we gotta make something that's gonna pop off or we're gonna fade away now that we don't have our guy
0: right no, no. and i think and it, it must have been an odd situation for fashion right three people in the group two of them are the producers and they're rapping yeah. and you come in for a verse right yeah um, it's gotta and i can be- see it
1: being very very easy with the conflict about being like bitch we make the beats like you're nothing without us step in line and even being like i'm the fucking star of the group fuck you and then right. that just being some sort of little beef you
0: know that seems like what the tension could happen and, and but yeah i think juju in particular really starts stepping into his verses more authoritatively and and really smashing stuff uh as it goes along and i don't they don't get a lot of credit lyrically but i think i think that's because and you had talked about this earlier these aren't concept albums they're not you know this isn't a personal journey
1: no i don't you know i don't really know anything about them other than they like to get high and drunk and make beats and shit i don't know right yeah there's not like really yeah there's not i you know they don't even really talk they say they're from corona but you don't really know anything about what's going on in their life ever. you know which i don't particularly give a shit about always i mean i like that but like i've never i've never listened to them and been like man i wish i knew about juju's dad or some shit you know like no, no, that never, no. yeah. yeah. Especially just because, like, the tone, like, there's, like, a funness to it mm-hmm. that, like, makes it so that I, I don't really care. And I think that that's something that, too, that um, a lot of rappers that, like, are funny and actually um, respect that and, mm-hmm. like, want, like that, they they have a hard time getting respect because a lot of a lot of hip hop fans are just they don't they don't have a sense of humor really because they a lot of times they're they're living like vicariously through the gangster shit and so they're just like a lot of times it's just like kind of like squares wanting to fucking like watch a mafia mo- movie not a comedy a big, you know what i mean thing. That's a big thing and so like Uh, yeah yeah, it's having somebody that isn't and and they and they don't they get intimidated when somebody's not like taking it serious enough you know where it's not like this is life or death for me i'm rapping like they want to they want they love that story about somebody who's just like from the gutter that's doing this for survival and shit and it's like sometimes you're just a cool person that wants to make some music you know like and like say interesting things like that's how i am i'm like i'm not fucking like one i'm not making like a for real living off this shit i make some money but it's not like i'm bawling out of control or anything but also like i'm just doing my thing i'll go i'll go Walk to the park with my girl or some shit. Like I'm not fucking like right. in a gang war all the time. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, yeah. Fucking, you know. yeah.
0: No, and I, I think and the part that makes me uncomfortable on the other side of what you described because what you described is very real. Yeah. Uh, yeah. On the other side, there's this avant-garde end, right? Yeah. And that gets deeply disturbing because you get professorial suburban white dude and i
1: hate that shit more than anything
0: labeling and saying that's the smart one exactly not the smart one.
1: Yeah, he's exactly.
0: not he's not a black futurist enough for me yeah exactly uh, and and that gets yeah, and kind
1: of yeah and kind of yeah being like you know you don't understand this guy because he's like he's too smart for you or some shit and it's like i i mean i understand what he's saying i just don't like what he's saying because it's too fucking out there and nerdy for me because i'm not i'm not really trying to listen to that shit yeah it's like two sides of the spectrum definitely right but like the people that the people that do that shit are like just just as bad or far worse than the people that don't you know right. that are like i just want to hear the fucking you know street stories or whatever
0: yep yeah, yeah living vicariously as you said through this yeah. kind of watching it like a gangster movie the you know they're doing the same thing with like you know ooh i'm i'm really taking in this you know stuff and they're just you know
1: yeah there's a lot of those fucking a lot of listeners that like they're impressed by themselves that they understand it and they're like you wouldn't get it because <laughs> he's talking over your head it's like a lot of mock homie fans kind of do shit like that where they'll be where they'll be like he's he's so genius that he doesn't even care that we know what he's talking about and i'm like i I mean i guess but like i kind of want to know what he's talking about you know and i
0: would say and this and the craziest part of this is none of that i attach none of that to Hami, like no like homie
1: like he seems like a yeah. individual who. Yeah, makes he's not necessarily up. trying to do that right and, and it's not even necessarily that he's saying shit that is that hard to comprehend it's just that they don't know what the fuck he's talking about because they're yes. not cultured or whatever i don't know what the fuck but like you know it's a if a motherfucker speaks haitian and you go see he's he doesn't care i'm like I mean he is Haitian. So, you know, you can either you understand Haitian. it, but like that doesn't mean that he's speaking like fucking code or some right. shit. You know, he
0: speaks something different than you do. Like it doesn't exactly it doesn't make it magic. Yeah. yeah. So it, it and there's a lot of that going on. But I it the one of the I was thinking about this, listening to the beat nuts. I wanted to kick this to you. What are the misconceptions of offensive language and it when applied to listening to music, is that these words, like, you might be offended when you hear a rapper scream the C word, right? Mm-hmm. But it's because you're used to hearing the C word yelled in anger, right? You're used to yeah. fights and people saying, Martha, you see yeah. Martha sure. yeah. But like, some people are just playing around having fun with the word and no one's mad and everybody's having fun and so the word lives a different
1: life yeah i mean i said yeah i mean that's that's been a a sort of topic of in hip-hop for a long time i mean it's like i say bitches all the time and my wife says bitches like we're just like look at these bitches over here and we just say it like that and it's just sort of like and it is totally like the way that it is just rolling off the tongue, or I like look at those bitches or something, and right. it's not even. It's just sort of like, I don't know. It's like I'm not even here to defend myself on it. It's just the way that I talk, you know. I like, tr-
0: and I was trying to, t- I was trying to explain to my wife because she has old sensors of like oh, all stuff, dead. yeah. And I was like, no, this word is changing. Like yeah. I'm listening to the music. This word is being used differently than it was when it was a trigger for you. Oh, I mean,
1: you should tell her to read Keith Richards' biography. He says bitches about 47,000 times in it. That's all he calls women. And it's because he hangs out with a a lot of, like, black artists and stuff. And, like, I don't know. He just, whatever. Like.
0: He speaks that way.
1: Yeah. it's just the talk that he talks. And it's, like, like, I'm not trying to be mean, you know.
0: You have to adapt to like the linguistic world of who you're listening to, right? Yeah. You can't put your standards on them. So, it now once you get into their world, if you understand what they're saying and they're shitty, then they're shitty. Oh yeah, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, If they're
1: yeah, if there's like some sort of malicious or sleazy intent behind it, then that's totally different.
0: Right. But but it but there's nothing malicious in what the beatnuts were doing. As graphic as it got, as strange as it got. Uh, just, you know, running through TV characters and fucking with them, or, you know, just they're yeah. all having fun, talking shit. Uh, yeah. It wasn't even locker room talk. It was like street corner talk,
1: yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. And just being sort of like silly, I mean, hard but goofy sort of thing, mm-hmm. you know?
0: So, Musical Massacre, I think, is a full on attempt at making a big kind of old school ma- making a pop album in 1999 that is also old school right mm-hmm. so you have the tony touch the coco you have the greg nice turn yeah. it out uh you i mean r.i.p Bismarck you've got you're a, clown, you're a clown
1: yeah exactly uh
0: and you know say a cod say a cabo uh yeah. you, you got these you know I love it. You've got all these big records that, I mean, some of them could have been hits in 86.
1: Sure. I mean, you're uh, a clown could yeah, and to the way that turned it out, the way that they structured the hook and shit, you know, definitely. It's,
0: it's, it, so that's one of the things that I think keeps drawing me back to Musical Massacre is that like, you're still getting a lot of like hard versus like Dead Prez is great on it. Look around. Mm. Uh, I mean, Common on Slam Pit is really good. Yeah. Uh, it has a great first song, uh, you know, Muchacha. Yeah. And, you know, Watch Out Now is great. Uh, but these, this is big music. It knows it's big, but it's carrying the essence of what hip hop was built on.
1: Yeah, definitely. And it still sounds very B nutsy. I mean, it's not
0: definitely,
1: it's not doing anything crazy. Like, it didn't change too much.
0: Now, it also has my least favorite song of any of the albums, by the way, Uh, which is Buddha in the Air. Um, Oh,
1: yeah. I mean, yeah.
0: Buddha in the Air is like six minutes and 14 seconds long.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't even remember I mean
0: it's i thought it kind of had doesn't it
1: have kind of a cool beat
0: or something it's kinda... the last the last two minutes is just Carl thomas saying Buddha in the air
1: oh, oh really see I don't think i i probably never even well, gotten that far yeah. at all
0: um
1: because I, you know, I think I'm even confusing the hook because i for some reason I thought it was a woman singing it but uh
0: there is a gob goblin but no that that i don't think oh that's yeah. right. i think yeah no, that's a
1: that's a feature dude's rapping yeah.
0: so carl thomas is the other dude
1: yeah uh,
0: yeah but it's it's and the weird part is the song after it is say a combo which is great yeah. song before it is you're a clown uh it's just, it's strange but the beat nuts world because it is not conceptual you kind of have to just ride the
1: wave well, and right. if they were trying to make like a hit record, that's when Carl Thomas was like doing his thing. So like if they could get him, they got him, and they tried to. And if you think about it, they were doing their best to still make a street record by making a song about smoking weed rather than like love. So like they were trying to still do that balance. It just yeah. turned out bad. Yeah. You know I mean?
0: yeah. No, so. it's, it's a great three album run because of how unique it is. The watch out now beat is mm-hmm. the uh, Jenny from the block beat. Yeah. And I don't, I'm interested in that story. I have not researched it, but.
1: They I'd just took interested- the, they just went track masters. Went and found the sample beat that's got no money. That's the, that's the, the gist. Yeah. So they found they, it. They found out they, they came out with that. They track masters who is like Puffy's producers, right. Saw that and knew it was a hit. Puffy was dating Jennifer Lopez, right? And so they just went and they tracked down the uh, the sample and just recreated it, and didn't pay.
0: So they, I mean, oh, they,
1: I mean, yeah. I'm sure they cleared the sample, but they didn't pay the B nuts anything because I guess you don't really have to.
0: I think he took. I, I've heard that the Beat Nuts took them to court and kind of got some royalties. I'm, I'm, I
1: mean, I think that you can't. I think that they did, and I think that they you can do that because if you listen to the sample, it's real. It's a lot faster and shit. And so, like when yeah. you take when you take something and you, you know, that's the whole thing. Like once you touch it, then you are committing the copyright infringement. But then they technically were kind of. Committed copyright infringement on the b-nuts they thought that they could get away with it and they probably still they probably ended up having to give the b-nuts like a hundred thousand dollars but made shitloads of money off of that song you know
0: that's a oh. uh, it's and i think they did a diss song about it on the next album milk me mm-hmm. uh which has an interesting cover
1: yeah um, but no, it's it, got it's, some all right shit on it. It's just not that's it, that goes that stops being like a full B nuts album to me. It's got some joints on it, but it that's it just ends up being like one of those albums that you say, oh, that's got some joints on it, not like that's yeah, a fucking album, you know what I mean? Like
0: right. No, this is the three album run where they were locked yeah. in uh 94, 97, 99. If if they existed in in this climate. I, how would they do? Do you think?
1: I don't even know the answer to that really. Um, because if they act I feel like if if they rhyme the way that they did, still because you know uh, psychoes was on somebody's album a while back that I heard some underground dude like a mayhem Loren album or some shit like that. Right, right. And it, he just wasn't rapping right on it. Um it, but yeah, I mean if they if they did what they did, shit might pop off. Who knows? I mean like the way that the I don't I honestly don't even understand. I don't I don't know music uh marketing or what people want enough to tell you that i I mean i I mean i i I don't know what the fuck's gonna pop half the time you know what i mean so um i
0: i think the way i'm thinking in my head is first of all they don't need a record label right oh no they can just put it straight out and develop their fan base second of all they don't have to wait two years between albums three years between albums yeah they can you know, they have better technology, all that stuff. If oh, they were yeah. To you today, they'd be able to drop continual projects. The sound, I mean, honestly, it's still unique. There still isn't anything that sounds like the fucking Oh, sound. yeah, definitely. It's not a thing where you're like, oh, that person is from the Beatnut School. That's not a thing, right? Yeah. It, so it would still be unique and it would still get like, it would still pop.
1: I mean the short answer is that that's what I'm trying to do with this album with Timepiece is we are both kind of like let's see cuz all these people talk about you know they look at like modern rap and be like like the Griselda guys and they go this is the resurgence of 90s hip hop and I'm like that's not how 90s hip hop really sounded like at all mm-hmm. but that you know good for them for what they're doing but that's not straight up that's not what I remember it sounding like um, so we were kind of saying like, you know, what if we tried to just do something in the realm and see how people feel about it? You know, um, I, I think that it would be difficult for them to do it because they're used to the old, um, just the old setup with record, like, and sample clearance and shit, you know, I, th- like, uh, I feel like they would be a little bit afraid to really fully go in as far as the samples go um, because they would think that it would cost them too much or they would get sued when in reality that's, they probably wouldn't even make enough money for that to happen. Um, And it would just kind of be an awesome thing to do just for the fuck of it. I keep on waiting for, one of those people, you know, like a '90s person, to just fully embrace that and right. just kind of just do it for the fuck of it. Because I mean, there's really not the record labels just don't even have enough clout to really come for you like that. No, you know,
0: no. It, 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 it's it's a special thing to do, like a Sean Price moment, and just kind of do what you want to do. Yeah, uh, and and throw off the expectations and. Not everybody's built for that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, it, it's- well, like I,
1: I, I did this um, remix album. I remixed Souls of Mischief 93 to Infinity for them for their yep. 20th. And so I remixed the entire album. And I u- I only used samples that people sampled in 1993. Right. And I used like oh. fucking like 100 samples. And I was already on uh, Sony's radar from before. And they hit me up and said that they were going to sue me. And then I went and I talked to Peanut Butter Wolf about it, and I and I was like, "Yo, what should I do?" And he was like, "Do you have money? Do you have any money?" I was like, "No." And he goes, "What are they going to do?" Straight like, if you have money, who gives a fuck? And so I just didn't. I just stopped responding to their emails, and they just fucked off. And I've never had any problems since. Um, you know, yeah, it it is what it is. I mean, they until you really start making real money. Because I remember, like, back in the day, in like two thousand two or three. Um, do you do you remember self titled? You know, self titled at all? Underground dude. He's in the Demigods. He's just a but. He was putting out Al, He was putting out uh, twelve inches like in two thousand two, two thousand three. And in right. an interview, he said that he presses up ten thousand at a time, and until you start selling past ten thousand at a time, they won't come for you. Oh wow! And that was a shitload back then. That was, so like, I mean, on. fuck. If I could, you know, yeah, no one, no one's sen- selling that much now. So like, yeah. I would say to anybody, just do whatever you want and the more creative the better and what you know and the worst that's going to happen is that you're going to make a bunch of money and then they're going to take it from you and you're going to be back to having no money but then it'd be in a position to make another album that does make money you yeah I mean?
0: yeah because you'll you have notoriety That's a lot better
1: than fucking just like pussyfooting around and fucking making shitty music you know what i mean
0: no just do it yeah that, that makes sense um uh, yeah i never heard it explained like that um uh, but no it, it's it's a i think it's an important legacy and i think the beat nuts this three album run does really have what hip-hop misses a little bit right now which is the looseness right yeah and we're talking about whether you're on the tough side whether you're on like the boldy james griselda side yeah. or whether you're on the avant-garde side yeah uh there's still a lot of people vested in your persona. There's still mm-hmm. a lot of people who are vested in, like, you know, I'm following him because he's erudite. Yes. Or I'm following yeah, exactly. him because he's tough. And yeah. it's legacy based. And to walk into a room and not give a fuck what anybody thinks is powerful. Always will be. Yeah. And to beat nuts, had that. Yeah. They struggled into the middle of Of like the best landscape for hip-hop and they were just like Haha! and did whatever yeah, they wanted. Exactly. yeah and were successful the musical massacre was like number 35 on the charts nice uh, the first, first album was like number 185 i mean it was they really got where they were trying to go um uh, which is amazing for where they came from so yeah absolutely the uh if you don't have any party thoughts, I'm going to go into recommendation corner, give a mm-hmm. recommendation uh, for the listeners, uh, viewers. We're talking about somebody who's great at working with older artists and getting the best out of them is Ray West. Uh, and Ray West has an album that is called the Love New York Collective, L-U-V-N-Y Collective. Okay. And if you look at the track listing, you know, he's got Cool Keith, uh, Rock Marciano, OC, AG, uh, you know, Curious. uh, Yeah, just all kinds. Lord Tariq, uh, AG, and just gets like the most out of them uh, doing boom bap stuff they're comfortable with, but in, in in, in a warm, sunny way that's kind of a little different than what you're used to. So I really love Ray Weston. Yeah, I would say dive in. He's on Bandcamp with uh, Red Apple, Red Apple 45. Yep.
1: Okay. Yeah. And I've heard of that. I just haven't checked for him, but I'll definitely check.
0: I love the one. He also has one with, um, I think he has one with, what is it called? Is it with OC? Because he just. Yeah, he's got one with Zilla, of course. He's working with Zilla, uh, but he's got oh, Ray's Cafe with OC.
1: Yeah, oh, I, I think I've listened to that one. I love. Um, it. I can't place it because I think I've. Because did he did did he do a whole thing with AG too?
0: He did. He did okay. do a whole thing with AG. I think too, I listened
1: right? to both of those one night a and little while ago.
0: Ray West, beautiful. He, 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 yeah, just uh, you know, they're they're. I think there are some producers where uh, think you're kind of moving the song along, and Ray West is really good at holding notes and like making sure that you feel the notes in mm-hmm. the songs. You know, you just so you feel the piano, you know, yeah, it just being there, um, which I think is huge. Do you have any recommendations, anything you're listening to for the, for the people?
1: Um... It's not hip-hop, but Bronx River yeah, Parkway. Have you said you like Latin music? Have you ever listened to Bronx River Parkway? I have not. you got to listen to them. They're fucking awesome. And everybody that I've put, on, put them on to. Um, I'm trying to think with the name. It's a bunch of dudes that I think that are some of the, some of the members of, like, El Michael's Affair. Do, have you heard of them? They do, like, Oh, I've heard of L. Michael's
0: Affair. Yeah. Yep,
1: yep. Um, but this is just, like, a Latin-inspired album but it kind of bangs in the car and it's just like great awesome driving music
0: river parkway i gotta do that uh so is that is self-titled album
1: mm, no let me see let me i think see. it's it's got um it's got some weird name san
0: sebastian 152 yeah,
1: yeah that's it because i think they only did one album um but that shit's amazing and it's something that like when i like out here there's a big car culture and i've got a like a 79 mercury zephyr and so like on sundays we go and cruise around and that's what we listen to
0: yeah no some of that like old like the The car music from back in the day, is is still some of the best shit. I eventually I'm gonna do a full like Brenton Wood episode of yeah State of the game because that shit is just amazing. It's yeah. so bangable.
1: No, um, I love Brenton Wood. I've got I've got a jukebox too that um has all that type shit in it.
0: Oh man, no, it, it's there's so many great uh kind of lost legacies within that stuff war and their their albums and yeah well, people that really shifted what the music sounded like and like people might not have heard it but the people who make music heard it and mm-hmm. it shifted how they did things so
1: yeah, yeah. Well, there's a really yeah. cool history with the um just the lowrider culture in general and yes. like do and like do up oldies because there was this guy Art Laboe that was on the radio and uh he was the only thing that the prisoners were allowed to listen to in like San Quentin or wherever. I don't know the LA prison, but so all these fucking hard rocks would like listen to that shit and they would dream about their girl. So when they got out of prison and after being there for years and they had their old school cars from back in the day, they would ride around, they would cruise, listen to that shit. And so it's become like this big, like you cruise around and like in Denver, a lot of the all, all of those, a lot of those dudes from the west came out here and yep. so there's just like a lot of that out here um and it, it's like fun to be a part of
0: that is the kind it's one of the things really when i started getting into salsa music brazilian soul all this kind of stuff
1: mm-hmm.
0: i was really it was really fascinating to me how much doo was in it right yeah. and because i love duop, you know oldie station kind of guy and so yeah. That was kind of a cool meeting of worlds, where I was like, "This, this works together. It does. Yeah, absolutely. It doesn't even, you wouldn't even think it would, but it does. Absolutely. Uh, and that kind of experimentation is, is is always in hip hop as well. So I'm always yeah, excited to hear people with new sounds, uh and yeah, hopefully I'm excited for you and Timepiece. Keep me updated as to what's going. Yeah, on.
1: And, and look, I'll show you. I got this. This is, the, this is the goon shit. This guy from Local Dude drew this. This is the cover to the I goon album.
0: I've seen that image. Yes, I've seen you. Yeah.
1: Both. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. And then one last thing I'll sh- I got to show you. Hold on one second.
0: That looks like Ed Brubaker criminal shit. And that is fucking fire. Good stuff.
1: people. This is my wife's bathing Ooh. suit.
0: We're going all st- oh, street level. <laughs>
1: That's tree level one piece.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> that's off. Th- that's, 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 you gotta love that shit. Yeah. So, yeah. Thank you for for being here. I yeah, really- absolutely, man. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I would say, uh, yeah. Elena Delavidova, keep doing Cool. It.
1: Nice Thanks. talking to you.
0: Yeah, man.
1: See ya.